Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. With the United States gripped in the panic of the 1950s Cold War, President Dwight D. Eisenhower deemed homosexuals to be a security risk and vowed to rid the federal government of all employees discovered to be gay or lesbian. Over the next four decades, the longest witch hunt in American history, where tens of thousands of government workers would lose their jobs for no reason other than their sexual orientation. But the mass firings and the, have unintended effect. They stirred the outrage of the gay community, helped ignite the gay rights movement, and thrust an unlikely hero into the forefront of the LBGTQ <coughs> rights movement. And with that, let me introduce the director of this terrific new documentary called The Lavender Scare, and that would be Josh Howard. Josh, welcome to Film School Radio. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here, and it's a terrific documentary. It's a it's a history lesson, but it's also a living history lesson as well, and um, and very very well done. So, tell me a little bit about your how the genesis, the catalyst for this pr- documentary, the Lavender Scare. Well, I came across a book called The Lavender Scare by David Johnson, uh, a terrific historian, and uh, reading the book, I was just amazed at at the story. Uh, you know, tens of thousands of people fired, and people don't know about this. This is, you know, a part of our history that really has uh, has not been documented. And I just, um, I, I just felt it would be a uh, not only a an, an interesting film, but a you know a, a worthwhile one as well. And uh, I got in touch with David Johnson. We met, talked about the uh, the possibility, and um, got to work. When did you start the project? Uh, we, I read the book in early 2009 and met with David uh, for the first time on July 4th, 2009. So we are coming up on uh, the uh, 10th anniversary of when we first kicked around the idea of, of doing this film. Um, so it, was, uh, it, it, it took a while. Yeah, well, the reason I ask is that did you, at the time that you met with David, did you imagine that it, well... What was your perception of the issue of gays and lesbians in government at that time? Because we we had Barack Obama as president. He was he while he wasn't completely on board with gay marriage, he was making he was acknowledging, recognizing the gay community in ways that no other president had. But right, okay, so that's the framework is of the beginning of the film, and now we find ourselves right. today. Did you see this as a look back on an era that we would never have to deal with again, or, or what? I, I did. Oh. I did. Okay. I, I, you know, I thought it was a, an, an important piece of history. Uh, but, um, and, and, you know, and a tribute to the, you know, activists that came before Stonewall. Uh, you know, it's great that we're recognizing the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, but I also think it's important to note that there were some very brave and dedicated and determined people uh, who fought for gay rights be- before Stonewall. Yeah. So I did see it as a combination of a, you know, an, 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 a historical, an interesting historical film, uh, a tribute to some of the heroes of the past, yeah. 
uh, and never would have imagined that some of the themes of the film would seem as relevant uh, today to uh, you know to what's going on right now. Okay, well then let's go back to the time of the end of the Cold War, the end of World War II, and the beginning of the Cold War. So 1946, moving forward, 47, 48. We were beginning to see the United States and the Soviet Union at that time, the Soviet Union, beginning to kind of square off in a what they called this Cold War. And along with it came sort of hysteria on a lot of different levels, on a different a lot of different issues concerning our relationship to uh, the the communist quote unquote of this of the Soviet Union and holding down the homeland as a as a beacon of of liberty. So let's is that is that a good frame for us to to talk about this sure, moving forward? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It, it was, um, uh, it, you know, it was a time in history that uh, was, uh, uh, you know, somewhat chaotic. Uh, you know, the, the war had ended, and we're now, uh, you know, facing facing this uh, this other threat from the from the Soviet Union, right. and. Uh, well, was there a catalyst? Was there one event or a, or a series of events that spurred the lavender scare, or was it just it was it just a social? I mean, the, the the social setting that we 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 were in in that period of time. It was largely the social setting, and you know, to some degree, the lavender scare, scare uh, came up because it was a useful political uh, weapon. You know, M- McCarthy was targeting the State Department and targeting communists uh, in, in the um, in the State Department, and at some point, it um, you know it developed that there really weren't any more communists in the State Department, and his uh, you know his campaign was uh, losing steam, and you know then it was discovered uh, that all along the State Department itself had been quietly firing homosexuals, and when that became public at a Senate hearing in uh, in 1950. It really ignited the uh, uh, this, this whole issue and really captured the imagination, I think, of uh, uh, of the population. You know, in, in a way, um, it was hard for people to kind of grasp what a communist was. It, it wasn't hard to understand what a homosexual was, and particularly in the years after the Kinsey report came out. Uh, which um, implied that homosexuality was much more widespread than anyone had uh, had assumed. Uh, this this notion that the government was riddled with uh, you know with gay people really captured people's uh, interest. You know, there's an interesting political dynamic to all of that as well. That it, I, and it it ties into the the fear of homosexuality and gays and lesbians working in government and just the sort of boogeyman uh, approach to 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 this issue and and that is that like calling someone a communist you're right i think you're absolutely right it's you can't really re- it's hard to relate to what a communist is although they call franklin roosevelt a communist and near the end of his his uh, term as as president and was referred to that way for many, many years after the fact. But I think it one of the effects that, that it had, and the same with the the uh, gays in in government, was it shut down debate on a whole bunch of things. It was you were able if you were able to tar someone with that accusation, then it just shuts down any kind of dialogue, any sort of reasoned 
arguments, reasoned uh, discussions about whatever agenda was being pushed by the accuser. Mm-hmm. Is that the idea that they were communists? The communists, or that they were gays. It, this sort of it allow it. Well, it's a it's a thing to bully people into. You know, it, well, look, you're talking about McCarthy. McCarthy was able to steamroll so many people, so ruin the lives of so many other people in furtherance of an agenda. And this, right? I'm, I don't know if I'm overstating this, but this, but to be able to call someone, you know, say the call out there were gay people in in government allowed McCarthy and his people of his ilk to essentially bully their way into whatever agenda that they were pushing. Yes. I, you know, I'm not sure that that's a thing of the past. Uh, right. You know, I think our current president uh, has uh, has his own methods of, of doing that. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's been a useful political tool through the years to uh, uh, categorize people and... Um, yeah. You know, de- demonize certain ways of uh, thought or or uh, entire you know entire minority group. Yeah, well, I kind of got us off the subject, so let's go back to the actual impact that this was that this McCarthy McCarthy Senator Joseph McCarthy was pushing, and then and and that sort of the the actual ways in which it was impacting the lives of the people in all kinds of different government agencies. Well, and, uh, you know, McCarthy got the ball rolling, but at some point, this just became part of the mechanism of government. Uh, At one point, there were a thousand FBI agents who were assigned specifically to investigate the private lives of government employees. Uh, A a huge amount of resources, uh, you know, money and manpower uh, going into this. And... You know, it's one of the things that really amazed me about the story that, uh, uh, you know, this wasn't some ad hoc, you know, campaign to get rid of a few gay people. This was built into the apparatus of the government. It was a very, you know, carefully planned, systematic way of going through the workforce and eliminating these people who, uh, you know, were allegedly a, a threat to security. I would remind our listeners that we're speaking with Josh Howard. He's the director of the new documentary film called The Lavender Scare. And I believe it's out here in Los Angeles. Friday, uh, uh, June 7th. So it's this coming Friday at uh, Lemley Music Hall. And it will be there for a week. And uh, it will then be uh, seen on PBS. Uh, There's a a network PBS broadcast on June 18th at 9 p.m., and then local PBS stations will be airing it uh, throughout the rest of the month as well. So in addition to opening here in Los Angeles at the Lemley Music Hall, it also opens in New York at the Cinema Village, as well as then, I believe, Chicago at the Chicago Cultural Center, and then in Washington. Well, actually, that's ne- the following week is in Chicago on the 15th. Let's sort of highlight some of the some of the stories in The Lavender Scare. There's Frank... Kameny. Go ahead, tell us a little about, about Frank. Well, I mean, Frank was, uh, he was a, uh, had a Ph.D. in astronomy from Harvard. He was brilliant, determined, single-minded, and uh, if the government had left him alone, he probably would have gone on to a spectacular career as, uh, as an astronomer. He was, you know, he, he, he was dreaming of one day being an astronaut and being part of the space program. But the government uh, uh, discovered that he was gay and 
came to him and told him he was uh, out of a job. And in doing that, they uh, created uh, a, a man who turned out to be uh, one of the founders of the, of the gay rights movement. Yeah, he, he fought uh, back, yeah, didn't he? He was the first person to fight back. Thousands of people had been driven from their jobs before Frank, and he was the first person to, uh, you know, to say, this is wrong, and I'm going to fight this. You know, he just didn't care that society labeled him as a criminal or a sinner. He knew that wasn't true. He was right, and society was wrong. It's exciting to see how it turned out, because as it turned out, society came around to his way of thinking, and Frank would not have had it any other way. Yeah. Well, there's a number of other very moving stories in the film about people who's either the in in uh, first person talking about how their lives were impacted, or or by relatives of pe- of people whose lives were ruined by this. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of m- stories in here. Not only illuminate the breadth and depth of this this uh, madness that, uh, and all, but it also it's it's a very relatable there are very relatable stories about just people who really they really cared about their country their patriots they they were great at their jobs but for the fact that they were gay they were they were and summarily dismissed and the way that they went about doing it do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the 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 techniques that were employed during this period of time to 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 these people who who they thought were gay well, one of the key things that government investigators would do if they found someone who they believed to be gay would uh, would be that they would ask them for other names of gay people, uh, other friends or, or, you know, other people they knew. And that was the way the government got, uh, you know, this really cascaded. Uh, uh, and we did interview somebody in the film who, you know, who says he was, he was interrogated and he admitted he was gay and the investigator said we want five names of other people who were gay and the implication was that if uh, you turned over the five names then you know you you'd be able to go on your way but uh, in fact that's uh, that's that's not what happened you would you know you would lose your job and the next five people would be asked to turn in their friends it was uh, you know what had been a very close knit gay community in Washington in the years of the Great Depression and then and then the war years uh, really turned into this uh, you know community under siege from in- investigators and you know people talk about you, you you didn't know when your friend would you know would turn on you to save uh, himself or herself right and it was it was a scary time. The numbers in the film, the numbers of people that were uh, fired, dismissed, were in the thousands. And I couldn't help but wonder, watching that part of the film, you know, what what kind of damage was being done to the national security of the country? What kind of damage was sort of the, I always look I always think of these things in sort of the ripple effect, right? It's not it is the person who's being impacted by being fired for being gay, but also kind of the collateral damage, if you will, not only to the to the job that needs to be done in order to to protect our country, but also the kind of ripple effect uh, on the families 
and and out and moving out from there. Is that something well, that came up? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, absolutely, and uh, you know, it, the ripple effect goes even beyond the you know the individual or the family, but to gay and lesbian people in in general. You know, here is the U.S. government saying that the official policy of the government is that gay people are dangerous, uh, immoral, treasonous. This is the government saying this, and it really cemented, in a way, cemented in people's minds this negative image of of gay people. Yeah. It, so beyond just the numbers that were fired, you know, you then have to add in the numbers of people who were never hired because during background checks they were discovered to be gay. Right. The number of people who never applied for jobs because they knew they would be found out. Uh, the government contractors, the private companies who fired gay employees because they wanted to keep their government contracts. Right. Uh, and then again, as you say, the ripple effect of this image of you know gay people as, as bad. Mm-hmm. And you know that's something that that you know fo- followed uh, this for, for decades yeah. in terms of the damage that it did yeah it is, it is just what you said it's just hard to imagine and just and then in terms of just advancing the cause of civil rights for every american it put how you know how many years were lost in 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 the struggle for people to be able to access all of the rights afforded to any American citizen because the stigma just clung to the American body politic for for up until very recently and just all the lives that were irreparably damaged by these kinds of actions you've said, as you said, on, on the part of government. Um, well, it's a wonderful film, in, in a, and as I said, in a lot of different ways. It's a history lesson. It is, it illuminates a part of our our fairly recent past and that and and how it impacted up until recently until we started to see some what I would call progressive leadership in Washington at the highest level with President Clinton and even to some respects um, although the Bush administration there was some pushback on on uh, the what was it called the domestic uh, what was that uh, law oh, that there was the defense of marriage act defense of marriage act which was you know, abysmal, and but then with Barack, uh, President Barack Obama, a lot of the perceptions were obviously much, much different in his administration, and he made a lo- he made a lot of uh, changes to the way that the federal government um, behaves, if you will, and and acts. But there, nonetheless, it's we, it seems to be a little bit of a resurgence coming back with the current administration. So while it's a this is a, a lesson in history. But it's also relevant to today. Do you want to comment on that relevancy today? Well, ab- absolutely. It, um, you know, the the homophobia of the 1950s was clearly a reaction to an earlier time in which you know being gay wasn't that that big a deal. And I think we have to be you know vigilant that you know we're living through um, you know maybe another time of reaction um, to what has been. Yeah, you know, some great progress over the past uh, decade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if uh, uh, I mean, look what's happening in the you know in the Trump administration, the uh, the ban on transgender Americans serving in the military, the uh, 
the administration's position that federal civil rights laws don't apply in uh, cases of uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, you know, look at the judges who are being appointed to uh, federal district courts and, and the Supreme Court who have histories of ruling against the interests of uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what started out for me as this uh, interesting project about history, you know, I, I think the, the, the storyline sets off alarm bells and, uh, you know, we need to be vigilant about where we are today in society. Yeah. Well, thank you for the documentary. Thank you for your work in 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 showcasing, bringing back uh, the part of our history that, well, um, well, it's nothing to be proud of. It's something that we need to be aware of and how it happened and why it happened and the echoes of it today. Um, but Josh, I would also want to talk about your your, your long and storied uh, career in broadcasting. I um, you worked on sixty minutes for what twenty five years? Is that you know, do I have it that? Was, well, I was at CBS uh, uh, for 23 years. Uh, okay. it, it was, you're right, it was a long career. I don't know that it was uh, so storied, but uh, I, I was there for, uh, for 23 years. Well, 24 Emmy Awards, if I'm reading that correctly, is, is I, I don't know what, you're, what, you're, <laughs> what you would consider to be a storied career. <laughs> but 24, <laughs> 24 Emmy Awards certainly seems to meet my, my standard for an amazing career, remarkable career. In, in broadcasting and in, in broadcast journalism and uh, executive producer for weeknight edition of 60 Minutes. I mean, it's uh, congratulations on your work throughout your career in terms of covering stories that need to be covered and, and truths we need to be, we need to be hearing and, um, and to make ourselves a better, a better society. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for your work here on this, the Lavender Scare as the producer and director of it. So thank you, Josh Howard, for, 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 for all of that and for being here on Film School. Well, thank you for having me and for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I really appreciated it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.